We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is February 1st, 2024. Jonathan Osborne here, as always. I am joined by my co host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is going on, man? How are you? We did it. January has come to a close. The dreaded stretch that we've been talking about and analyzing since the, with the, since the schedule release, it's over. We made it, and we get to kind of close that chapter and look ahead to what is supposed to be the easiest stretch of basketball for anybody the rest of the year. So now is where you start stacking games. I am just I'm relieved that we pulled it off tonight. Yeah, you made it through the month of January. The Magic uh, now sit at 25-23. We'll get into the state of the Magic in just a little bit here. Uh, but they finished the month of January 6-10. and 10. Not great, but you, you essentially did enough to stay above 500 through the month of January, which is what we've been talking about the Magic really needed to do. So although it was rough and it was incredibly frustrating at times, Luke, I'm happy with the with the the way that this turned out for the most part. It goes back to what I had said recently, which was being a playoff team feels different and when your aspirations are playoffs because you're not so much analyzing like yes, you're going we're going to break down the game and talk about what this team needs to do to get better. But at the end of the day, you're just happy with the win. A lot of times in the past, we've you know just gotten caught up in, oh, are we tanking? And and when we do win, it's still been critical because it's like, this is the things this team needs still. And there was a laundry list of things. Now it's essentially clean up the turnovers and get some shooters and get some flow in that offense when it's stagnant. But you got the win, and that's really all we can ask for when you're trying to climb the standings like we are right now. Yeah, if we go back and we take a look at that stretch, essentially it was 28 games um, starting December 6th versus Cleveland. You know, that really brutal stretch 
starting at the beginning of December, really the entire month of December and the entire month of January. It was 28 games. The Magic went 11 and 17. And out of those 28 games, you had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven or eight of those games didn't come against teams that were squarely in the playoff position in a couple of those games being, or at least one of those games being against Golden State. So the fact that you were playing really good teams night in and night out and the Magic, it got a little bit hairy. Like there were some times where we're like, hey, if Magic aren't able to get a win here and other teams go on runs, we might find ourselves under 500 and luckily it, it never came to that but uh yeah you, you just got to be happy with the way that the magic were able to tread water over the last several weeks here as the injuries piled up as you had tough back-to-backs you're again playing playoff teams almost every single night the last two months and here we are at the end of january you're two games over 500 you're still eighth in the eastern conference and i think maybe at the end of the episode we'll Take a look at the schedule that's coming up over the next several weeks as we go into the all-star break and then come to the other side of that. But again, looking at the perspective, if you go back to October and you were to tell yourself, myself, Luke, you listening right now or viewing, go back to October and say, hey, the end of January, the Magic are going to be 25 and 23 and pretty squarely in the playoff picture and eighth in the Eastern Conference we all would have been ecstatic to have that. So it feels good to be where we are right now. Yeah, and ultimately in that stretch too, you, you talk about the the record. You said it was, what would you say it was, like 17 losses or 18 losses? 11 and 17, you go over the course of those 28 games. So two or three of those, I don't know the exact, but it is two or three, I, would, I think, were against non-playoff teams, those losses. So whole lot of losses against mainly just playoff teams that's who you're really playing anyway but we obviously the most recent one being that grizzlies game which was frustrating yeah for sure. golden state atlanta and memphis three mm-hmm. losses and you know lost at golden state even though they're not squarely in the playoff picture you're in golden state it doesn't you know it's it's not as bad as it sounds so it's really like two the mm-hmm. one to atlanta dejounte murray at the buzzer and then Memphis, where, again, you had a chance at the buzzer to win that game. Yeah. So, I mean, you lose that Atlanta game by two. You lose the Memphis game by one. Four points in those two games. And you would have had one loss to a non-playoff team in that stretch. And it would have been Golden State. Which mm-hmm. came down to the final few possessions as well. So... 11 and 17 during that stretch isn't exactly where you want to be, especially the way that we played in the month of November. But you've got to remember, you know, missed J.I. for a a big stretch there. Wendell was coming back. Markel was coming back. Gary Harris has been out of the lineup. You know, Franz missed eight games in that stretch as well. All things considered, I'm really happy where we are, and I'm really happy the way the Magic fared through that 28-game stretch, which is the most brutal stretch of the entire season. I've seen people talking about, oh, the Magic have the easiest strength of schedule. We've been saying that for like the last week or two. And people are like, yeah, show me where the schedule gets easy. This is where the schedule gets easy. 
So although we've had the easiest strength of schedule and we've still been losing games the last couple of weeks, again, we'll talk about the schedule a little bit later in the episode here, but this is the point where it starts to lighten up a little bit as you get into February and into to March and April. So, all right, folks, so a couple of housekeeping items here. Uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday, tomorrow, Friday, February 2nd, is going to be our next watch party. We're going to be at Elixir downtown Orlando, 9 West Washington Street, to watch our Orlando Magic take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So make sure that you guys come out to that. Uh, parking downtown, always a challenge. So if you can carpool, Uber, whatever to get down there, uh, you'll probably have a, a much better uh, experience uh, commuting to and and from that. So keep that in mind, folks. And Thursday, all-star reserves are going to be announced 7 o'clock on uh, Inside the NBA on TNT. That's when that broadcast is going to start. So we're going to be live on playback starting at about 6.45. And we're going to react to the announcement together. Hopefully, Paolo Bancaro is going to be named as an all-star reserve. Luke, I think he's incredibly deserving when you just look at the context of this season, how much better the Magic have been this season. Paolo Bancaro has been the Magic's best player. He's been playing really well uh, lately. He's had to carry a heck of an offensive load with guys being in and out of the lineup. And the fact that this team is, even though they're 25 and 23, maybe not where we thought they were going to be if we go back to November and we thought we were never going to lose a game. But again, if you would have asked people, not just Magic fans, but the Magic's over-under win total for this year was 36 and a half wins. So here we are, February 1st, and the Magic are 11 wins away from reaching 36 already. So by all accounts, Luke, exceeding expectations, Paolo Bancaro absolutely should be an all-star. He should be. I am getting nervous, but he should be. And I, I'm just getting nervous because, yes, I know what TNT is saying, right? Like all of their anchors... Paolo Bancaro unanimously, but then I listen to also people that I do respect in media, like JJ Redick, and he doesn't have Paolo on there as his pick. Uh, Nikias, who also does that pod with him, didn't have him on there, right? So like, I am a little nervous, and I can be like, oh, I could, I could see how maybe you got there, and I'm nervous that these coaches are going to do a lot of the same, but. Let me, let me jump in here and just try to put your mind at ease really quickly. As those guys are talking about like, oh, the on-off numbers, why are the Magic rated better when Palo's off the floor? One, it's because we've had one of the best bench units in the entire league all season long. NBA coaches who are voting on NBA All-Star Reserves aren't saying, oh, I think I'm going to vote for Palo. What are his on-off numbers like? What, what, what are his shooting splits? I, I really don't think they're doing that. Obviously, they care about what's going on. I'm sure they're looking at the counting stats, but they're worried about the guys that they are game planning for on a night in and night out basis. And every single head coach around the league, when they talk to you know, our media before games, they're talking about Paolo Bancaro and the assignment of trying to slow that guy down on a nightly basis. And not to mention the fact that the player vote, Paolo Bancaro finished fourth in all uh, Eastern front court voting. So to me, that goes a, a lot further than, oh, what are his on-off splits? Right, yeah. I, and I, I don't the think other, they they put that much weight into that. I also will say the only guy that voted Paolo Bancaro on that pod was a former assistant coach in Steve Jones Jr. And he said 
that he was the one doing votes for the coach. Uh, well, for I don't love so, that, but <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's what I'm saying too. There, but uh, but hey, who knows? Maybe maybe Steve Jones and being a coach and everything, he knows how they how they do it and how they vote. But yeah, and he I, framed I'm, it I'm in hopeful. the proper context of all the injuries and everything like that, so right. that the efficiency numbers with Paolo doesn't nearly tell the entire story. Yeah, so I I am still very optimistic, but I'm also not like just assuming i would love have my riot gear waiting here in the case that paolo (laughs) i would love to i would love to uh to assume i just i just don't want to be hurt (laughs) fair enough we've been there before i just i I think the lack of national media attention that he's gotten is going to pay off with like oh we haven't talked about this guy a ton he hasn't been on national tv Magic are playing really, really well. He's been their best player. They're exceeding expectations. Like Trey Young playing on the now 20 win Atlanta Hawks, who are four and a half games uh, behind the Magic and are barely in the play in 20 and 27. Like, if your team stinks, I don't care what your numbers are. You shouldn't be an all star. You just shouldn't. If your team is garbage, you shouldn't be an all star. You don't like that? Mm -hmm. Win games. That's yeah. how I feel. I saw something that said, and I forgive forgive me for not giving credit. I saw something on social media that said Paolo Bancaro will have been named an All Star before he had a game on national television, which is insane. And Paolo's first game on national television will be the All Star game. Yeah, it's true. Pretty wild to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right now I'm. Yeah, when it um, when what's the what's the date of of that? Is the OC, the OKC All Star game, game? Yeah, the o, the OKC game. Oh yeah, so yeah, you're right. The OKC game is first because that's going to be the 13th, and then the All Star game will be that Sunday. I think right. that's the five 18th. days later. So, all right. So his second, still his second nationally televised game, uh, being on uh, being the All Star game is pretty solid. So. Mm-hmm. All right, um, let's go ahead and talk about the state of the Magic, Luke. So this week so far, the Magic are 1-1 one one on the week, a loss to the Mavs on Monday, and a win over the Spurs on Wednesday. They currently sit 8th in the Eastern Conference with a record of 25-23. and 23. They're now 12 games back of Boston, 7.5 games back of Milwaukee, 6 games back of New York, 5 games back of Cleveland, 5 games back of Philadelphia, 2 games back of Indy. They are tied with Miami. Two and a half games up on Chicago, four and a half games up on Atlanta, five and a half games up on Brooklyn, seven and a half games up on Toronto. On the season, the Magic are 24th in the NBA in offensive rating with a rating of 112.5. They are fifth in the NBA in defensive rating with a defensive rating of 111.6. They are 14th in the NBA in net rating with a net rating of 0.9. Taking a look at the injury report, still just Gary Harris. Uh, sitting there with the the calf strain, who has now missed the past 14 games and is starting to progress in his on-court work per Jamal Mosley, but is not yet graduated to start doing any type of real contact work. So he's slowly progressing. They're going to take it day by day. We sort of know the protocol with the Magic when it comes to injuries. Uh, So that is going to be something to uh, pay attention to. Hopefully we're not without Gary Harris for too much longer. 
uh, but it would be a welcome return to, to get him back into the lineup. Let's go back to Monday against the the Dallas Mavericks, which was definitely a bit of a uh, a roller coaster, if you will. So second night of a back to back, no Markel Fultz uh, as they continue to uh, you know have the maintenance with him returning from the injury, but Jonathan Isaac inserted into the starting lineup with one of the all time teases in the history of the Orlando Magic. Like you see Jonathan Isaac uh, in that lineup. You saw him, you know, the the game before uh, against Phoenix looked incredible defensively. That lineup of Jalen Suggs, Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, J.I. and Wendell. So that's how we're starting the game. So it's like we are just pushing this, you know, the Magic's version of the death lineup just right out of the gates. Magic go down 7-2 to a few minutes into the game. Then they go on a 16 to nothing run, Luke, to take an 11 point lead in the first quarter. Magic, uh, you know, Mavs start coming back a little bit. And then uh, J.I. checks back in to, to end the half. Magic go on a quick, I think it was a seven or, or eight to nothing run. And then Magic are up 77 to 61 in the first half. And this is where the story takes a turn. Magic are outscored 12 to 35 in the third quarter. They shoot 20% in the quarter to Dallas's 63% in that quarter. And then in the fourth, the fourth quarter sort of went back and forth. But what I want to turn to, Luke, is the two-minute and th- three-second mark. Uh, Lively is fouled by Cole Anthony, but the, the refs don't blow the whistle quick enough, I guess. And uh, Wendell Carter sort of swiping for the ball, catches Lively square in the face. He's bleeding all over the place from the nose. So they get the initial foul call on Cole Anthony. They hit Wendell Carter Jr. with the flagrant one. So something that I don't recall ever seeing was they gave Derek Lively four free throws for the opportunity to make three of them. So the Magic were up one at this point. And in one possession, because uh, Derek Lively ends up missing the rebound and then... uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. ends up with the rebound, gets fouled. So the Magic are up one, and in one possession go from being up one to down three in the span of about 10 seconds. Uh, Josh Green hits a layup about a minute later to give them a five-point lead. Paolo Bancaro splits free throws. It's a four-point game with 54 seconds left. And then Luca finds Derek Lively with 36 seconds left for the alley-oop to make it a six-point game. Paolo Bancaro makes a dunk with 30 seconds left that uh, you probably could argue that he was fouled on, uh, that they just decided not to blow the whistle on. To me, it definitely looked like um, uh, oh no, this was the, the dunk a couple of possessions later, but it looked like Paolo Bancaro was fouled on the arm by Luka Doncic. No whistle, of course, even though every time you breathed on Luka Doncic, he was heading to the free throw line in this game. Basically, it comes down to a, a final possession. They're playing the free throw game back and forth. The Magic are down uh, three with six seconds left. And you just know that if the Magic get the ball back, they're going to end up fouling. Paolo Bancaro goes to the free throw line, misses the first one, misses the second one on purpose down two. Franz Wagner ends up with it, throws up a 35-foot prayer, doesn't go in. Magic lose 131 to 129. One of the more frustrating losses of the season, Luke, because they were playing so well. They had a 25-point lead, uh, or I'm sorry, they had a 16-point lead 
the 25 point lead was tonight against San Antonio, which again, San Antonio almost came back in that game. But you had as much as a 16 point lead in this one in the third quarter. And then just little by little, Dallas started to chip away at it. Luca was getting to the free throw line. Tim Hardaway Jr. was getting pretty hot. He had three threes in that third quarter, all of which were wide open. And the Magic just forgot to defend or forgot how to defend. Offense goes cold for the entirety of the third quarter, picks back up a little bit in the fourth quarter, but it just wasn't enough to 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 bring you all the way back and the Magic end up losing what really should have been a, a very winnable game there in Dallas. I think that everybody shares the same sentiment about this game, which is Jonathan Isaac not playing the second half was the difference. And you really don't need to look any further than just his plus minus and just basically eight minutes. He was a plus 15 and eight minutes and he only had a field goal. He was one of two. But when Luca would actually shoot the ball, I think he went O of two against J.I. when he attempted to shoot with him on him. But in large part, it was just due to the fact that Luca couldn't do anything with Jonathan Isaac. There was a few different possessions where J.I. got matched up onto him, and you could just see Luca would try to drive, couldn't make it happen, pull it back out, try to get a screen. J.I. would fight over it. He would try to penetrate the paint again, couldn't get past J.I. I was just laughing, just watching Luca try to get past Jonathan Isaac. So for that to be the case and for him to make such an impact, I was, don't get me wrong, I was thankful he was playing a back-to-back. But eight minutes was not what I anticipated. I was hopeful for like 12 to 15. So for him to just play eight, I get it. They've Those powers higher than Jamal Mosley have instructed for him to be on the minute restriction there to, to as he's still rehabbing, but super frustrating. That's what it comes down to. And it sucks because the loss then overshadows the game that Paolo Bancaro had in this one. Paolo was sensational. Except in that third quarter again, aside from the third quarter, which is becoming somewhat of a trend and which we've started to keep tabs on, but you know, he finishes the game with 36, 36, nine and seven, 52% shooting, 13 of 25 from the field. So it stinks that that's, this game is a loss, right? And it's just unfortunate in a waste of a Palo Bancaro game. Again, thankfully, he's giving them to us so often that we're, we get some wins and great Palo Bancaro performances still. But also, like you alluded to, Palo Bancaro going 0-4 in that third quarter, a minus 18. He played 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Just not going to do it, especially when you've got Luka Doncic on the other side of the ball, or in this case, also having Tim Hardaway Jr., who conversely, he played the entire third quarter, was three or four from three, had 15 points, five of seven from the field, then Luka had 12, four of six from the field, they and, and five assists Luka had alone in that third quarter. It it was it was ridiculous and it felt a lot like the beginning of the season where you were struggling your offense was sputtering in the third quarter and the other team was capitalizing on it Tim Hardaway Jr. and Luka Doncic capitalized alone in that quarter 
and did to you what you did to the Phoenix Suns the night prior. Scheduled loss, all that kind of stuff, and it doesn't matter because it just was so frustrating down the end. It was such a winnable game. The Magic should be looking at a three-game win streak right now. So, I don't I don't know. I this was a super super frustrating game that you didn't really expect to win. You go into it, you have an incredible first quarter. And then that second half was just a nightmare, specifically the third. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. In the the post-game video that I, I posted immediately after that game, I went on like a little rant of like the lesson that this team needs to learn is night in and night out. It has to be the defense for 48 minutes that carries you. If the offense is clicking that night as well and shots are falling, then congratulations. It's an added bonus. Paolo and the rest of the starters get to sit the last five, six minutes of the game and and get some rest before the, the next one, right? But sometimes what happens with this team is the shots aren't falling. They let it affect the defense and they lose the energy and the attention to detail on that end because they're so frustrated. This was sort of the opposite where you score 77 points in the first half and everything is going in and you let your foot off the gas defensively because it's like, hey, if we don't get a stop, we're going to get a bucket on the other end. And we're up 12, 13, 14, 15 for the majority of that you know, second quarter and Dallas isn't really threatening. 
and you come out in that second half in that third quarter, and all of a sudden now the shots aren't falling and Dallas's are, and the defense is just super unorganized and all over the place. And again, all three of Tim Hardaway's three-pointers in that third quarter, you go back, two of them were completely wide open, and the other was wide open because of a Mo Wagner blow-by that Hardaway just hits him with the pump fake, takes one dribble to his left, and nobody's within six feet of him and, and knocks it in. The other part of this game that was incredibly frustrating, it's not the reason that you lost, was the officiating. And Dallas shooting, what was it, 43 free throws in this game, Luka Doncic shooting 21 of them. I know there are a lot of people out there that are big on Luka. He puts up a lot of numbers, so on and so forth. I don't find Luka Doncic fun to watch play basketball. Sure, he had some nice shots. He, he makes some nice passes. But his constant complaining and crying to the officials after every single missed shot attempt of his, he really believes, if I didn't make it, I must have been fouled. And he lets the referees know about it. And the way that they just let this guy parade to the free throw line, part of it were the magic were a step late, you know, making rotations and, and just not getting to the ball soon enough and, and fouling. They did foul a lot in this game. But then you go down the, the other end. Paolo had a, a late jump shot uh, from the, the baseline where the defender falls underneath his feet. Paolo can't land safely. No call. Franz Wagner is driving to the lane, makes the layup, but is clearly bumped on the attempt. No call. Closing seconds of this game, Paolo Bancaro drives to the lane. In the last two-minute report, they acknowledged that Luka Doncic made contact with Paolo's arm, but they deemed it as being a brush. It was marginal contact. It was enough for Paolo Bancaro to notice it on his way to the rim, and it's not Paolo Bancaro's fault that he's 6'10", 250 pounds. A foul is a foul. Just because it doesn't affect one guy the way that it would a Trey Young doesn't make it a foul. And we know you would give the whistle to Trey Young because we've seen that plenty of times. So the inconsistency in the way that the Magic are officiated compared to just tons of other teams will always drive me crazy. Not the reason that you lost this game. Heck, when you look at the Magic, they were 21 of 28 from the free throw line. You make a few more free throws and you end up winning this game. The J.I. thing was definitely weird. You know, seven minutes, 53 seconds after starting the game, and everything that was said in the postgame, our guy Fazan was in San Antonio tonight. Pre-game, asked Jamal Mosley about it again, whether or not the plan going into the game was for him to play eight minutes. And basically, it just seems like they were going to play it by ear. He played the first half. Doesn't seem like he was injured because doesn't end up on the injury report. He was a full go tonight. Played really well. Was a big part of the win. But I think what happened was like, hey, this is the first time this guy has played a back-to-back in two-plus months. Had to go go to him at halftime, like, hey, how are you feeling? And he was probably pretty winded, I would guess. And it's just crazy that, not maybe not crazy, but it's unfortunate that he isn't able to give you three or four minutes at the end of the game because, like you said, we all sort of feel that if he's able to give you just another few minutes in this game against Dallas, you're able to pull out the win. I mean, what? You just need a stretch in that third quarter. Anything's better than what we saw in that third quarter, and you end up losing the game by two. You can't tell me Jonathan Isaac doesn't make the difference in this game in that second half. You just the, can't. The, like, just just three points better of a third quarter in that. The plus fifteen in seven minutes fifty three seconds is mind blowing. And and all you need is another Jonathan Isaac stint, even of five minutes, and you probably make it have a great enough impact. Obviously, it's hypothetical. 
might not be true, but it's still a possibility. He showed us in the first half that it's a real possibility. He showed us every time he stepped on the floor that he's going to change the game. Now, I also will say the free throw thing. I'm conflicted about it because I know that you and I are going to be benefiting from the superstar whistle. Well, they need to hurry it up. They need to hurry it up. I'm ready. I'm waiting for it. We've had a decade of being on the other end of it. It's our freaking turn. It's my turn. (laughs) You said it was my turn. (laughs) It is absolutely the case of what you mentioned a couple months ago, maybe. Well, I think it was when we played the Celtics that when an incredible defender is defending and they basically try to make a play. Um, what was, what was the comparison you make that basically like they're not, they're going to get the benefit of the whistle because they're, they're so incredible, right? Oh, it must not be a foul because they made a play similar, the exact same situation actually with scores in the NBA. Luka Doncic is that good that you do find yourself lacking, you know, maybe not being able to keep up with him, slide with him, get you know, your hips around on him. Those things happen, and then you're caught in a bad position where you're swiping down or you're, you know, get called for a blocking foul, whatever it might be. That happens because Luka is that good. So he is also given the benefit of the whistle when he gets brushed and he reacts. It's just easier to bait because it's like, oh, this guy gets fouled all the time, actually. So it must have gotten fouled then. I do think that there is a, definitely a concept to that and, and a theory to it that is proven to be true. But I also do know that Paolo Bancaro is going to be getting the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he shot 11 free throws in this game. Paolo's gonna, Paolo still gets a little bit I more whistle than other people. I don't care when it benefits me. I'm not lying. I'm not going <laughs> to hide that. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. My opinions change when it around. benefits us. Uh, well, yeah, you, uh, unashamedly. Yeah, you wouldn't be a, a Magic fan. You wouldn't be Jonathan Osborne of the Six Man Show, and I wouldn't be Luke Sylvia of the Six Man Show if we didn't uh, acknowledge the homerism. What really but, annoys me is the Magic are third in free throw attempts a game and twenty seventh in free throw percentage. And you can't make them. That just crazy. blows. Yeah, make your free throws. Like the, the the Magic have probably lost four or five games this month alone by missed free throws. Yeah, Instead of what did I say? We went six and eleven or six and ten this month. Maybe maybe you're able to flip that if your free throw shooting is a is a bit better over over the course of the last couple of weeks. It's it's been an issue all season long. It's gonna be even more important as we get into the playoffs. And yeah, this this Dallas game was incredibly frustrating because you saw like both ends of it, like the as good as this team can be. And as bad as this team can be all in one game. And then you have just people that are annoying like Luka Doncic and him, you know, talking trash and taunting down the stretch of this game. Well, it's just super annoying. It's like, bro, you, all you do is cry the entire game and then you, you just get every call anyways. Like it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, this was an unfortunate game. Like you mentioned, Paolo Bancaro was incredible. The 36 points. 13 to 25, four from eight from behind the arc, nine rebounds, seven assists, two steals. This is like Paolo's last audition, you know, to the to the coaches around the league making his case to be an all-star. And I just don't know, you know, how you make a, a better, you know, like final statement to those guys in terms of, hey, 
this guy needs to be in the all-star game. Another thing that was spoiled in this one, Anthony Black, 20.7 of nine from the floor, four of four from behind the arc, three rebounds, uh, an assist and a block playing in the hometown in front of his hometown crowd. Anthony Black shooting the lights out when he hit, when he had that one that he was like falling like off the glass and it just mm-hmm. kissed off the glass, went right through the net. Like this kid is just absolutely on fire. And the fact that Anthony Black is willing to take threes and is making them right now, although low volume at a pretty good rate. If this kid can figure out how to organize an offense and improve as a playmaker, we're we're gonna be really good for a long time. I I really like Anthony Black. I like what we've seen out of him this year. And uh, when he had it going, especially in that first half against Dallas, I was like all completely on board the Anthony Black train. Here's what I'll say: is that it's hard to, it's hard to really like game by game. Like you, you and I, obviously, and Magic fans who watch every game, are able to see Anthony Black has great potential. But I think it's hard to lose sight of it because he doesn't have as he doesn't get as much shine, and especially in that starting lineup. You line have to get too. minutes to do that. Exactly. So he doesn't. And but that's my point too. Is like even when he was starting, he wasn't getting a ton of shine. He was just kind of staying in his lane, which is what I appreciated about him as a rookie, just being happy with the opportunity and doing his thing. I would encourage you guys to find or just go watch like highlights of Anthony Black to this point. There's been some floating around on social media as of late, especially after that Mavericks game. But I would encourage you to go watch it because I watched it today already liking Anthony Black and the prospect that he is with his potential. And I watched it and I was like, I totally forgot like all these tough finishes. He does super well with contact at the rim. He usually just bounces off and readjusts in the air and is able to bank it in or whatever he needs to do. He's super impressive. And you lose sight of that when you don't, when you really are just getting him in small spurts. But if you watched his highlights and at least just like made shots from this season, like the kid, he's got great, great potential. And that's all you will find by watching that is like his ability to make tough shots. So many of them are tough. I think that we want him to obviously get to the point where he can take guys off the dribble a little bit more, but I think he's even shown improvement in that area on the baseline. His three-point shot is well-respected enough. A lot of his corner threes or like when he drives baseline, a lot of those baseline drives are derived from people just biting on his like slight pump fake from the three because he's made it enough and he's gotten the respect and it's just super impressive from him to already be adapting and learning as this young into his career. And the fact that at least for the last few weeks hasn't gotten consistent playing time and I, I just find myself like a, a rookie that gets inconsistent minutes. You would think when he's out there, you're like, well, see, this is why you're not getting minutes. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen with Anthony Black. When they, Anthony Black's on the floor, I'm like, this is why you need to get minutes. Yeah. This is, we need to see more from this kid. It, it, don't get me wrong. There are times where you're like, oh, that was a very rookie mistake. There's just times where like his timing is wrong or his shot selection isn't right. Or he doesn't know the defender. Like he doesn't. I don't know what it is as far as like I'm I'm sure it's part of the game being fast and it needing to slow down and things but like off a pump fake or if he does lose a defender 
not understanding that that defender has recovered already and is probably going to block your shot from behind. He has that happen a couple times where he tries to pull it from the elbow and it gets swatted from behind. Just things like that. They're like, oh, you're, you know, this is where I remember you're a rookie. You've been so great in the the opportunities you've been given. There are some rookie moments to be expected. He's he's even Paolo Bancaro, who had the greatest rookie season since Blake Griffin, was had his rookie moments. So Anthony Black's got him too, but he is just really, really good already. And I I like was in my mind debating whether or not I was gonna say this because I know some people aren't gonna like it, but I'm just gonna say it anyways. Anthony Black and the potential that we've seen from him further cements in my mind that Markel Fultz is not here beyond this year, whether that's at the trade deadline or if the Magic decide to move on from him, you know, and, and let him walk in free agency. Like Anthony Black's ceiling right now to me is exponentially higher than Markel Fultz's is going to be just unfortunately for Markel, it comes down to his health. But I just I see if you're asking me who has the better chance of being here long term and being like the few part of the future of this team when we start to really compete it's anthony black and to me it's not close Mm. yeah i i definitely agree um i think that people will be maybe a little bit either partial towards faults which i get it's a it's a great story in in the sense of him coming to orlando Orlando allowing him to rehab and then him being what he was for us. And, and recently he has re- been and more still good is, than is what bad. I was about to say. I wanna I wanna throw that out there. He's been more good than bad. I don't I don't think don't get me wrong. I do also I do as a sidebar, I do love the fact that Markel Fultz is willingly taking more mid range elbow pull up jumpers, free throw line jumpers now, where we weren't getting that at all in his return. He like wasn't even looking like it wasn't like he just knocking the rust off the dude. There was he didn't even attempt. You have to attempt to knock rust off and he didn't. But now I don't know if it's a rehab thing, if it was or is TOS or whatever. Who knows? He has a massive bandage on his shoulder and he still has a very noticeable hitch even in those mid range attempts that he is taking. Right. Something he, has changed there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, definitely safe. But he has taken some more of those. But regardless, I in 2024, I I do want everybody except maybe the big man to be able to at least attempt a three or be so elite, such as Jonathan Isaac, who I'm on board with you. I want to see Jonathan Isaac be the five man for the long term. So I don't know what that looks like for Wendell Carter Jr. He's been good, too, as of late. So. I don't know what that looks like, but anyway, I just went on a different bunch of different tangents because I just there's a lot to to talk about with this team right now. But yeah, with with Anthony Black and Markel Fultz, for me, it's not even so much about Markel. It's just like I'm also looking at what the future could look like, and Anthony Black's got to be a part of it. I, I I don't know that. I don't know for certain that he's going to be a facilitator, per se. Hopefully, he can. And he's shown potential, but I, I don't know what that's going to look like. But his scoring and his shooting ability is already impressive enough. The the improvements that he's made from, you know, like Arkansas and Summer League, like shooting the ball, he's made like leaps and bounds 
in in terms of improvement there. And now on the season, he's shooting 38% from behind the arc. Now that's on 1.4 attempts per game. But when you're looking at the scouting report and you see a guy shooting 38% from behind the arc, you pay attention to that a little bit. And I don't know that I'm willing to go as far as like saying Anthony Black absolutely is the future of the point guard position for this team. But if you're asking me if it's Anthony Black and it's Marco Fultz, to me it's Anthony Black and I'm I'm not even really thinking about it. Just because Marco Fultz is, is still the the superior basketball player by a wide margin. But to me, Markel Fultz is at his ceiling and Anthony Black is at his floor. And you give Anthony Black two or three years and he can figure out how to be more of a facilitator and uh, be able to get the offense organized. And I think he's going to be a, a much better player than Markel Fultz even is right now. And because like defensively, I think they're really, really close. And you just give Anthony Black the extra, you know, two or three inches and height and size that he has over Markel is just going to be a little bit more versatile on that end. They're close defensively, but am I like Anthony Black has plays that jump off off the page to you in terms he of just does, like, but Markel Fultz is the more experienced and more like savvy defender where the mistakes mm-hmm. that you mentioned that Anthony Black makes from time to time, Markel Fultz like is like the ceiling, sure, defensively. But like where their floor is right now, like Markel Fultz, like you know what you're getting from him every play. He's not going to have like those mental lapses. And mm-hmm. a year from now, Anthony won't either. But like that's the only like I don't feel like we lose a ton defensively going from Mark like Anthony to Markel, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I just think about Jalen Brunson with yes. Anthony Black on him. That was ridiculous. Obviously, his length was the issue for him. That's who Anthony Black is going to go against most of the time is like ones and twos. And with his length, he's going to disrupt a lot of guards, especially smaller ones like Jalen Brunson. That's what sticks out to me. And the performance I think about defensively, of like what can he be when he learns how to use all of his length? That's that's the type of defender that I think he can be. And the fact that you can switch him onto threes, you know, pretty yep. comfortably and, and him not yeah. being in no man's land. So, yeah, we're all aboard the, the Anthony Black train. Still love Markel Fultz. Don't take that the wrong way. Playing very well. Um, definitely is, is I, I don't want to say put our concerns at ease, but it's not nearly as, as bad as, as what it looked like when he, when he first came back. And the fact that he's taken those mid-ranges is, is super uh, encouraging. All right, enough about the Mavs game. Enough about Anthony Black. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Patreon. So our patrons are the individuals that help keep the lights on here. Help us, you know, be able to make time in our lives to watch Magic Games and record podcasts and do different events. Help us do all the things that we do. We cannot thank our patrons enough. Uh, if you're a, a new or a longtime listener or viewer of the podcast uh, and you want to know how you can get involved and help us uh, do what we do now and, and maybe then some help us do even more than we're doing right now, the Patreon is a great way to be able to do that. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We have uh, different levels of tiers, each with their own uh, different varying levels of benefits. So you can find what works best for you and uh, subscribe to that. And again, help us do what we do each month. Part of our elite tier and hall of fame tier benefits is we give them a very special shout out 
each and every episode. I'm going to start that now and start that by shouting out the Court Cousins and then Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, normal Magic player history, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch, Dave, Paolo and Francis, Warmth, Pierre A., Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Danimal, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Caleb Pete Candleism, Time Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95 Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Rican, Shahen 177, Will Be the Dawn, Himlo Ben Himro, RM Prop 221, Magic Kid 714, Mysterious Mosley, Soft Taco, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle Only Franz, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Currency Kev, Bruv Sal, Kaysen Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, The Distract, Ahmad Timsa, Chansu, Tom Gadsden, Dead Air, Richard Tuttle, Jeremiah Quintero, Barstool Magic, and Debo1980. Again, if you would like to help support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Jonathan, you know, I'm going to Orlando tomorrow or on Friday, as you know, as you are as well. Do you know what that means I'm making time for? Because you make time for things that are priorities. You know what I'm making time for on Friday? Jam hot chicken. Jam hot chicken. So I'll be going to 400 West New England Avenue, Suite 13 in Hannibal Square. I'm going to go to jamhotchickenfl.com to access the menu, order ahead so that it'll be ready for when I get there. And uh, if you guys aren't familiar already, Jam Hot Chicken is Nashville and LA inspired. Hot Chicken Shack, locally owned and operated in Winter Park, Florida. And you guys can go find them on social media at Jam Hot Chicken. Go check them out. Tell them we sent you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Luke, you are very brave ordering ahead when you got to take the turnpike to get to Orlando because you just never know what's going to happen on the turnpike. I did that <laughs> once and I was literally messaging jam hot chicken on Instagram. While I'm stuck in traffic on the turnpike. Like I swear I'm coming. I'm going to be there. <laughs> if I don't get there in time, you guys can just throw out my food. I've already paid for it. Uh, but luckily I got there like 15 minutes before they closed and my food was still hot and fresh and, and ready to go. So that, you're, you're, you're a gambler. I, um, I feel good that, about it. Be, I feel Godspeed. good about it because jam hot chickens, food not just spice level but readiness and hotness stays hot for a good 10 minutes after i get it so because they're they're preparing it on order i got no problem ordering it and uh and rolling the dice there because i still have a feel have a really good feeling as long as it's in that box i'm gonna open it it's still gonna be hot and ready to go awesome my mom has never been to any of our events in the five mm. years that, that that's not true. My mom has was at like the OG watch parties mm. that I used to do in Old Smart Buffalo Wild Wings. But since we've been doing things a little bigger, a little better, a little extra, if you will, she hasn't been to any of our you know bigger events. So she is coming out to the watch party. So if you all see my mother Friday at the watch party, don't be disrespectful because I will kill you. I will murder someone <laughs> for my mother. Don't get they, it twisted. 
thank 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 her for the birth of her son jonathan osborne for uh, yeah you don't gotta talk about the conception at all don't be disrespectful (laughs) you want to thank her for giving birth that's totally fine you don't have to get you know with the extracurriculars be respectful to my mother or i'll stab you in the neck with Mm -hmm. a soldering iron but hopefully my mom is going to have jam hot chicken for the first time on friday so looking forward to that all right let's talk about this spurs game always good to uh, record after a win Mm-hmm. Markel Fultz back in the starting lineup. Jonathan Isaac coming in off the bench was somewhat of a somewhat of a rocky start, you know, for the Magic. They got down by as much as eleven in the first quarter. Uh, then Jonathan Isaac checks in, starts checking up Wemby. Magic go on a nice little uh, seven to nothing run, like almost immediately, and pretty good uh, second quarter for the Magic as they were able to take the lead into the half. And then they blow the doors open in the third quarter. Paolo Bancaro starts to get the you know ball rolling a little bit, starts to make a few buckets. Popovich says, all right, we're going to throw a double team at this kid and see how he does. Well, he started dishing out to Jalen Suggs, to Franz Wagner. They start hitting threes, and then Magic blow open this game, took as much as uh, I believe it was a 25-point lead in this one. And all of a sudden... I'm feeling pretty good. I'm texting people I know. I'm like, man, we really needed this win. This is great. I'm so happy we did this. And then about 20 minutes later, I was feeling like, man, I really jinxed us. We're going to lose this freaking game because the Spurs come all the way back. They make it a three-point game with a few minutes left. Uh, But Markel Fultz, Paolo Bancaro, those guys were able to make big plays down the stretch and the Magic go on to win 108-98. to Victor Webinyama, this is the first game that we really got to take a look at him. Obviously, you've seen all the highlights, maybe caught a national game or two where you were sort of half watching, you're on Twitter, whatever. Oh, Wemby just did that. That's kind of crazy. But this is the first game that I sat down in quite a while. You know, last year when he was playing in France, I watched a few of his games there. But this was like the first Wemby game this year that I really got the chance to sit down and watch. First few minutes of the game, it was very apparent that the Magic had no idea what to do with this guy. He's so big, so tall, arms are so long. It's like no matter where you are on the floor, he's able to make an impact defensively. And it was really apparent the first few minutes. Then Jamal Mosley calls a timeout. Guys start going right at him, trying to use the rim as a deterrent so he can't just come over the top and keep blocking these shots. And Powell even had it going a little bit offensively to start the game. But then Jonathan Isaac checked in and just does what Jonathan Isaac does. Like, Pal- uh, not Paolo. Wemby had nine points in the first quarter. And then Jonathan Isaac comes in. And I'm like, as good as J.I. is, like, this dude is supposed to be the second coming of Jesus Christ, apparently. <laughs> the, uh, the amount of hype that this kid has received, deservedly so. Not, maybe not the Jesus Christ comparisons, but the <laughs> basketball hype that he has received, the, like, he is as advertised. He moves in a way that a man his size should not be able to move. He is so skilled. He is so intimidating defensively, has so much touch at the same time. But Jonathan Isaac came in and I was like, all right, let's see how this is going to go. And Jonathan Isaac did what he does to everybody. Being able to take the other team's best player and effectively cutting their impact in half while J.I. is on the floor is a massive game changer. And that's what Jonathan Isaac did in this game. And the Magic uh, you know, got a little hairy there in the second half. But being able to pull out the win on a road trip, game that you desperately needed to win, I, I went as far to call this a must-win out of this game. 
And yeah, Magic at the W and a uh, little concerned, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. Paolo Bencaro after the game said that Jonathan Isaac, in, in regard to who's asked about his defensive performance against Wimby, Paolo just described it as another day at the office. <laughs> they said, quote, there's no matchup that I think he hasn't won this year. That's what Jonathan Isaac does every game. And it's true. I, I'm. There was a part of me that was like, oh, I don't know about Jonathan Isaac at the five or just like guarding seven footers with whatever it might be. But tonight against Wimbanyama, I was like, yeah, if you can, if you can D up Wimbanyama, you're, you're just fine. And, uh, and he did. He had the, the block on Wimby when Wimby thought he had him beat. Wimby's not maybe not used to playing against guys with length like Jonathan Isaac and gets past him. J.I. recovers, smacks it, I believe, off the backboard. So just Jonathan Isaac, he's just incredible. Again, just another one of those nights where I feel like this is me every night now, just chuckling at Jonathan Isaac playing defense. When he's in the game, I just find myself wanting the offensive possession to be over so we can skip to the defensive one. So I can see what ridiculous thing he's going to do. And it's wild, but I can't help but just watch him the entire time. I find myself like not even ball watching sometimes. I'm like, I'm just locked into what J.I. is doing. And it's just, you see just like his mind working in real time on the court his instincts just through the roof. I just, I need a little more offensively, but defensively don't, do don't you touch really anything. though? <laughs> like if this is as good as it gets offensively with JI, you still won't take everything else. I'll, I'll take it. It would be nice, else. but do you need it? Do I need it? But no, but I'm a selfish man. I, I would, I would love a little more. I would love for him to be able to take that corner three and me not think this is going to clank the side of the backboard. You know what I mean? So, unless you're going to tell me that everyone else in the lineup can take and make a three, which is where the whole Anthony Black or just like any capable shooting point guard comes in, because for the long term, I would love for Jonathan Isaac to be the five. We all need a little bit more games played out of him to be like, that's our future five. But that's tonight putting it lightly, but yeah. It's a yeah, fair point. We're, we're just, it would suck if we don't get to see Jonathan Isaac full strength for at least a few seasons. Oh, I don't know. It makes me the sick. The crazy thing to me is like, this dude went three and a half years without playing basketball regularly. And People we were talking about if, him if he could maybe walk. missing a step. Like, he's as good defensively as he's ever been. Like, you go back to December of 2019 in, in young Jonathan Osborne's mind of, like, how good Jonathan Isaac is defensively. And given the muscle that he's put on, he hasn't lost any speed or agility or lateral quickness. Like... You talk about guys who are like instinctual shot blockers. Jonathan Isaac is that, but just his defensive instincts and the way that he navigates around the other team's offense to get in a spot to help or 
cause a, 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 a change in someone's shot or get a deflection or make the block. Or oftentimes, guys get lined up on J.I., they have the ball, and they're like, I'm just going to get rid of this because I'm not going to do anything with it. He's just a special, special defender, man. And by any metric that you look at, he by minute, by game, by 100 possessions, is by far and away the most impactful player for, for the Magic. Like, it's a legitimate question. Is Jonathan Isaac our third best player right now? I think the answer is yes to that. We need him on the floor more. We absolutely need him on the floor more. But if you, just like, in a vacuum, taking everything that each guy gives you, is Jonathan Isaac our third best player right now? I think the answer is yes. I still value Jalen Suggs. I know that he is taking threes right now at a high volume and such as tonight, maybe not converting as as much, right? He shoots four tonight, which is it's, it, with, with J.I. and Jalen, it is close. It it has to be because Jalen is And availability great. is a big part of that. And an incredible, incredible perimeter defender, on-ball defender, all of the things. And... He's still at the end of the day, he's still shooting thirty eight and a half percent on five threes a game. So it's hard for me to say there is an argument as far as impact. Third best player, though, I still give the edge to Jalen Suggs. I think that Jalen, when he had it going, you know, whatever that was a few weeks ago, you couldn't convince well, I mean, me Jalen Suggs. He's had it going the entire season until the last you know week or so, right? And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's easy right now to be like Jonathan Isaac's the third best player, but as soon as Jalen Suggs is back in it, I, I don't think that that Ji is the third best. But he's incredible for someone that, by all accounts, and people that cover this league and cover this team that see how special of a defender Jalen Suggs is. I don't know if anybody gets less respect in terms of their defensive reputation than Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs fights his butt off every single night on that end, gets the most disrespectful whistle out of any elite defender I've ever seen in my life. Like, people can and do whatever they want to Jalen Suggs run him over, throw him to the floor, crash into his knees, whatever. Not a whistle. Jalen Suggs breathes on Luka Doncic or on Trey Young, and those guys are going to the free throw line. I think after like this year, if he makes like a you know all defensive team, and the entire league like just can no longer ignore the fact that he's a great defender, maybe then he'll start getting a bit more respect. But Jalen Suggs, as a defender, gets one of the absolute worst whistles I've ever seen in my life. He touches a guy, you can cash it, bring it to the bank, somebody's blowing the whistle. It doesn't matter what is what the context is. He makes any amount of contact with with an offensive player, they're blowing the whistle every single time. I do think it has a lot to do with the physicality he plays with. Not that it's right as far as how he's how he is officiated. But I think they just they know like Jalen Suggs has the reputation of being the bull in the China shop. Great defender, but maybe sometimes a little handsy. And he's still learning too what he can do and what he can't do in these rules. I mean, they're changing all the time, it feels like, as far as what the officiating does and, and, and what they're changing. But 
and it's hard to be a perimeter defender in the NBA right now, especially. But also, as a note to the Spurs game, Jalen Suggs had four steals tonight. Jalen Suggs has four steals. Also, another thing I don't want to be overlooked, he had five assists and one turnover tonight. He was very good on that end. And you know, one more three for my parlay, but I'm I'm not the I'm not going to be in his DM. Like, Damn go, it, Jalen. Yeah, uh, and then Jonathan Isaac four blocks, so they combined for eight stocks, steals of blocks. That's hot. Not not bad for your <laughs> your your two best defenders on your team. They were both sensational. Jalen Suggs is is top ten in NBA guards in personal fouls per game. Part of that, though, is he's always matched up on the other team's best perimeter player, right. who happens to be the best player on the team at drawing contact yes. and drawing fouls. So. Yes. Yeah. But could also get a, a better whistle. I'll just say that. All right. Back to this Spurs game. I mean, just overall good performance for the Magic You know, outside of that you know, spurt in the fourth quarter where... Um, it wasn't even so much the the Magic's uh, defense as it was the offense just went completely cold. Uh, San Antonio went on like a 19-2 run in that fourth quarter to, to make the game pretty close. Apart from what I talked about with the Dallas game where this team has to realize that they have to defend every single night for an entire 48 minutes and not letting their foot off the gas, which I do believe given the talent and the potential they have defensively that eventually they will get there. It might not be this season, but eventually they will get there. We have to get away from these six, seven minute stretches where we cannot get a bucket. Like something has to change there. I don't, I don't know if it's Paolo and Franz just saying, Hey, we're just going to put our heads down and get to the rim. No matter what, I don't know if it's more shooting. I'm not entirely sure of what the answer is. But it is just, you are losing games because of it. You lost the Dallas game as bad as the defense was. If you can get a few more buckets in that third quarter, you, you might win the game. You get a few buckets, you know, during that stretch it, tonight against uh, San Antonio. Wemby doesn't come in the, the last few minutes. The starters don't have to play the last few minutes in that game. And you just win outright, you know, pretty comfortably. So for me, that's going to be the, the next. Uh, the next step for the Magic is 48 minutes of defense. And then, sure, you can have you know two or three-minute stretches, four-minute stretches where you can't buy a bucket. But these six, seven-minute stretches of just the offense being non-existent, we got to find a way to, to cut down on that. You can even have it once every, whatever, 20 games. But as often as they have been having these scoring droughts, there's a there's a common denominator somewhere. And I don't know if it's like just late to coaching change like adjustments or just not an urgency coming out of the half. I don't know. Because we've seen these guys play with urgency out of outside, you know, coming out of the into the second half, but it it's weird, man. And and Paolo just like I really want to sit down and look at his shots from the third quarter in a lot of these games because he's going 0 of 6, 0 of 4, 1 for 6 consistently right now during the third quarter. 
All right, let's talk about the the schedule that is coming up here. We're we're a little you know over an hour into this now. We'll we'll close with this. So we've been talking about you know the Magic have the the easiest strength of schedule. You know the rest of the way here. As I pull up Tankathon, I'm going to go to the uh, remaining schedule strength, and the Magic still do have the easiest remaining schedule left. Uh, with their uh, opponents for the rest of the year having a 44.8% win percentage. You still have three games against Detroit, a game against Washington, another game against the Spurs, three games remaining against Charlotte, a game against Portland, and two games against Toronto. Your toughest games left on the schedule. You've got one game against Minnesota, one game against OKC, two against Milwaukee, one against the Clippers, two against the Knicks, one against the Cavs. So we talked about you know that 28-game stretch, Luke, starting December 6th and basically running until today you know, as we're recording this, the 31st of January. This is where the schedule starts to lighten up. So Friday, obviously, you've got Minnesota. But then you're at Detroit, winnable game. You're at Miami, winnable game. You're home for San Antonio. You have to win that game. You're home for Chicago, winnable game. You're at home for Oklahoma City and you're at home for New York. Those are a back-to-back. You have to split one of those, right? Like you can't you can't really lose both of those games. You got to find a way to to win one of those. Then you're at Cleveland, you're at Detroit, have to win that. You're at Atlanta, winnable game. I want to say Brooklyn is a winnable game, but they've killed us so badly this season. I really don't know what to think of it, but you should win that game. We haven't played well against them so far, but you should be able to beat Brooklyn. Then you're home for Utah, winnable game. You're home for Detroit, winnable game. You're at Charlotte. You're at Washington. Can definitely win both of those. You're at New York. We've played really well against New York so far this season, but they've you know undergone some changes immediately after the last time that we beat them, and they look great right now. Then you're home for Indiana. You're home for Brooklyn. You're at Toronto. Then you're home for Toronto. Then you have Charlotte again. Like, I just went through the next like 16, 17 games and 75% of those upwards, maybe 80% of those are like games that if you had to just pick on paper, you would probably bet the magic to be favored and, and should win a lot of those games. So this is the stretch of the season where it's time to, to pick up wins. It's time to put some winning streaks together. If you're going to make a run at the five, six, seven seed, whatever, this is the part of the schedule where you'll be able to do that, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. This is it's favorable. You got to start stacking wins. And I'm I'm optimistic that they'll be able to do that. Keep Jonathan Isaac healthy at all costs. Hopefully not at the cost of eight minutes a game on back to backs, but might be the foreseeable future. We'll take back to backs while we got them though. Keep everybody healthy. Maybe get Gary back, just throwing another shooting wrinkle. That'll be fun. Keep it rolling. Or, you know, some of these guys might be moved. Who knows? We have, it's exactly a week um, from today is the trade deadline. So this team uh, could look very different by the next time that we release a a Thursday episode, folks. So uh, don't forget, Friday is going to be our next watch party at Elixir downtown Orlando at 9 West Washington Street. Magic are taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Be sure to come out. Uh, last year at Elixir was a lot of fun. Great atmosphere, great food. Uh, watch party is going to start at 7.30, tip-offs at 8 o'clock. Make sure that you uh, don't miss that. 
Say your prayers today. Whatever you got to do, make sure that we're getting Palo Bancaro to the All-Star game. That's going to be announced uh, Thursday night on TNT. We're going to do a playback at 645. We'll put out the links on Thursday on our social media accounts. So be on the lookout for that. And yeah, as always, let's get some wins. Luke, that's going to do it for this one. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Right.